0: You are listening to the audio podcast of Gethsemane Baptist Church, located in Long Beach, California, pastored by Eli Reynolds. wonderful song, perfect for this occasion. Um, right after the service tonight, uh, we're not going to dismiss right away. We're going to do our faith promise cards, but uh, I do want to say that there will also be tonight a vote on our new missionaries. Ms. Nancy, if we could be ready for that. I've been announcing we're going to do it for the last couple of weeks and, and uh, put it off, but I want to do it tonight. And uh, so we've got five new missionaries we're going to vote on. And depending on how Brother Case does tonight, I mean, he's going to— no, I'm just kidding. I'm joking. But uh, we're so thankful for Brother Case being here, for the Torres family being here. I lost them. Where'd they go? They're around here. There we go. But you got to sit in the same spot, brother. You know, and, uh, but they, it's, it's such a wonderful message this morning and getting to know them. And I really enjoyed getting to know these missionaries. And they both came highly recommended to us. And uh, I, getting to, I got to go out to lunch with both families today, and uh, this, just great people. These are these are great people, and so I hope that we can get behind them, support them, and we're so thankful for Brother Case. Brother Case was recommended to me last year, and it just the timing didn't work, and. And I had a couple more people call and say, hey, you got to get Ryan Case in. And uh, so you've been well-recommended, brother. you got good connections. So uh, <laughs> I don't know. he got to speak to our Spanish uh, this morning in the service. And we're so looking forward to you preaching tonight, brother. Thank you for your faithful service. Come and preach to us. Let's give him a hand as he comes. And uh, just a thank you for being here.
1: Hello. How are we doing tonight? Hola. Buenas noches. Todos están bien. Everybody's Good man, nice and full, ready to go. And man, okay, nobody can sleep on me, okay? You got to wake up. Give us a chance here to get the preaching out. You need this spiritual food, too. Uh, we're the Case family, missionaries to Mexico. We've been serving there in Mexico for about 17 years, as you saw in the video. And I'll just give you a little bit of an update while we turn to Matthew chapter 9. Go ahead and turn there. Matthew chapter 9. And I'll give you an update on uh, what's going on. So on the end of that uh, video, uh, we were getting ready to start the uh, New Hope Baptist Church there in Mexico City. And praise the Lord, we launched that in May. And uh, God's been doing great things. And um, praise the Lord, we've grown out of the building that we rented. And so we had to rent another one. So uh, today they're actually moving the building, uh, moving the we're, we had our last service in that building. A lot of these things will be on the internet. Now I know some people don't use Facebook and I'm not promoting, promoting Facebook, but I can keep it up to date with our videos and what's going on kind of every week. So if you look up my name on um, uh, Facebook there, you can kind of see what's going on. Usually I give update videos and on my website too at TellMexico.com. If you go there, and uh, we give update videos on what's going on in the two ministries that we're working with. So we're working with two churches, one in Xochimilco, Mexico City, and then another one in Cuyoacan, Mexico City. And they're only about maybe five miles between each other. But as you saw in the video, we're one of the largest cities in the world with 30 million people. And so to get to those places can take up to an hour, two hours. So um <clears throat> Pray for the New Hope Baptist Church and also pray for God's Word Baptist Church there and as we start that new church. And pray for everything that would go uh, uh, smoothly today and then also our our first uh, Sunday is going to be this Sunday coming up in the new building. So if you'll pray for that in a new area, not too far from the area that we were in. And uh, please pray for us. And uh, if you haven't got one of our prayer cards, I want to encourage you to go by our table and pick up one of our prayer cards there. Pray for us. Uh, you'll only see two people in the videos because uh, um, we've, we've now two of the kids are at college. So uh, we just have uh, Elizabeth and David with us now. But uh, praise the Lord for that. And thank you so much for inviting uh, me to, inviting us to come to your conference. And uh, thank you so much for uh, emphasizing missions. It's a blessing to see churches that still want to reach the world with the gospel. It's a blessing. And thank you so much for your hospitality. Uh, Thank you for allowing me to stay here and and just be a part of this. Such a blessing. So in Matthew chapter 9, Matthew chapter 9, we'll go ahead and start there. And um, these verses here, I believe, are very important to really uh, reaping the harvest that God wants us to be involved in. And that's the title of uh, this message is, is how we how to reap our harvest, how we should reap our harvest. And so we'll go ahead and read in Matthew chapter nine, beginning in verse thirty five, Matthew nine, thirty-five. And it says, And Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and healing every sickness. And every disease among the people. But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion on them, because they fainted, and were scattered abroad as sheep, having no shepherd. Then saith he unto his disciples, The harvest truly is plenteous, but the laborers are few. Pray ye therefore, the Lord of the harvest, that he shall send forth laborers into his harvest. Let's pray. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you so much for this time that we can gather together as we close uh, the missions conference, and as the church here takes up their decisions to really uh, what they will do to reach the world with the gospel. I pray that you bless them and help them to understand this is probably the most imbo- important vote that they'll take, probably in, uh, in, in, in votes or, I guess, decisions that can, they can make. I believe this is one of the most important ones they can make is to support missions around the world. I pray that you be with them and help them as they make those decisions. But I'd also uh, pray that you help us to understand that each one of us has a harvest field, has a place that we need to work on. And I pray that you help us to understand that. I pray that you would be with us, Lord. Fill us with your Holy Spirit. Help us to know you. Teach us your word. And I pray that when we leave here tonight, we would say this. Not that we met with the missionary, but we met with Jesus. We met with him and he talked with us. And he showed us his word. We were changed. I pray that would be our testimony. And We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. My first job when I was a young uh, teenager, I remember I was at my friend's house one summer, sitting on the floor playing Nintendo and just kind of hanging out. And uh, my friend's brother came by and he said, Hey, what are you guys doing? He Say, hey, we're just sitting here playing the Nintendo, hanging out, we're done with our, you know, school and went summertime. And he said, Well, you guys are just gonna sit around the whole summer? He said, Yeah, we got nothing else to do. He said, Well, hey, I, I know this farmer, I, I know this farmer who needs workers. And the owner there, he pays, he pays well. He said, You guys wanna go work with me tomorrow? So, uh, you know, we thought about it. We looked at each other and we thought, you know, we're not doing anything. I guess we can go to work. So that morning we got up and we got ready real early in the morning, about four o'clock in the morning. And we, started, we went out to this field and we waited for these, these farm gates to open. And as we were waiting there, all these buses showed up with all these people getting off of buses, waiting at the gates for the doors to open up. And the doors opened up there and we all went in and the, there was a men who was directing the different people to go to different areas of the farm. And this brother, this uh, man pointed us, four men, he pointed us over to the raspberries. He said, OK. And as we gathered there at the raspberries, the raspberries are in different lines, they are kind of up off the ground on different kind of fences, I guess you could call them. And he said, OK, you guys are going to work the raspberries today. He said, you'll work this. And at this farm, they didn't didn't even notice that I was 13 years old. They didn't ask me for any papers. They didn't ask me for anything. They just said, hey, you want to work today? And we just went out of there, and they didn't really care. They just pointed us to a row. He said, okay, well, here's your row. Everyone get one of these boxes. And we got a box, and that little box had about 12 little baskets in it. And he said, fill up those uh, baskets, fill up that box. And he says, we'll give you $10 for every box you can fill. Thought, wow that's pretty good I mean I only get five dollars a week from my dad so I mean 10 bucks just for this box I can do that and he said stay in your row you know if you pick a row make sure to stay in your row don't go in anybody else's row because they want their berries and he said at the end of the day I'm going to come down and I'll honk my horn in my car and everybody just come on out and I'm going to pay you in cash as many of those cards as you can give me I said all right and so I got my box there and I ran to a row and I started picking berries, raspberries. And I don't know if you know about raspberries, they get little stickers in them and things. So I was just grabbing raspberries here and there and throwing them in my basket and just going at it with all my heart. I, I don't know, my hands were bleeding. Uh, you better wash those raspberries when you get them from the grocery store, okay? Just saying. And I was throwing them there in my basket and my basket started to fill up and You know, after about an hour, I was just making raspberry jam. I didn't know how to pick a raspberry. And my friend came over and he said, hey, what are you doing? Again, with the what are you doing? I said, what? I'm picking raspberries. So that's not how you pick a raspberry, man. He said, first of all, you got to look for the ripe ones. You see this one here, not these green ones. You got to get these ripe ones. And he says, when you get a ripe one, you got to squeeze a little bit, twist and pull. I didn't know how to pick a raspberry, said all right, so I squeezed a little bit, twist and pull, and I pulled off a pristine raspberry, it was great, put it in my basket, and I did that, had to go a little slower, and I started picking raspberries there all the time, I mean, the whole day, about eight hours of picking raspberries, I filled about five of those crates, and at the end of the day, I made about $50 as a 13-year-old. It was amazing. I think I spent it all at the arcade and, and on chili candy, I mean, to be honest. But, man, I filled my basket there. And uh, at the end of the day, the foreman came down. He's honking his horn. Beep. And he came there. I gave him my ticket. He saw he, he had the, I had the 5 hole punch, and he gave me right there in cash, $50. And that day, I'll remember for the rest of my life. You know, I look at this passage when I think about this, working in the harvest field. I think about Jesus teaching his disciples how to reap their harvest. I think about Jesus going to teach his disciples, hey, this is how you work in my field. And later on, we'll get to the prayer request. But first he starts, he initiates the whole thing with saying, hey, I'm going to give you an example about how to work in the field so that when you go out in the field, you can do the same thing. Now, I want you to understand when you work out in this field, um, <clears throat> this work is too big for one person. That foreman couldn't pick all those raspberries himself. That foreman needed busloads of people to come out and go to the sections of his farm so he could work them. He couldn't do it. Actually, he wasn't picking anything, he was just directing people for where they needed to work. He just said, Hey, you go there. Hey, you go over there. And let me tell you something, in this harvest time, in this harvest field, in this field that we're in here of the souls that need to be reaped and brung to, and, and, and brung to God, let your pastor can't do it alone. The assistant pastor can't do it alone. One person can't do it alone. The missionary can't do it alone. We need everyone to pick a row and get to work. We need everyone to work in the harvest time that we have been given And let me encourage you with this, that everyone here tonight has a row. I don't know where your row is. Mine's in Mexico. I might say, you want to come with me to Mexico, help me pick my row down there? You might say, no, I'm not moving down there. I like being over here. I got my Walmart over there. I got my Target over here. Leave me alone, you know. That's fine. That's your row. Everybody's row isn't the same, but just like that day when they taught me, I didn't know what I was doing. I needed someone to show me And I hope you'll see with me tonight how that Jesus wants to show us here how to reap our harvest. And each one of us, not just the missionary, not just the pastor or an evangelist, has a row or has a place where he needs to win souls, bring people to Christ. But everyone here tonight has a place to be. And I want to give you four examples of how to follow follow Jesus' example of how to reap our harvest. First of all, follow the example of doing the work. You know, first of all, you just got to go out and work. You just got to go out to the field. Sometimes you don't know how to pick a raspberry. Sometimes you don't know how to win a soul. Sometimes you're going to mess it up. Sometimes you're going to crush some berries. I'm sorry. Sometimes people are going to get offended with you, or they might sit there while you're, you're stumbling with your words and close the door on your face. And you might say, hey, I don't know how to do this, I don't know what I'm doing, but I want to encourage you to get out in your row and just start working. And let, as Jesus gave the example, and I hope you'll see the example here, in verse 35, it says, uh, verse 35, uh, chapter 9 here, and Jesus went about all the cities and villages. You know that Jesus went to everyone? Everyone. He didn't just say, hey, I'm just going to go over here and, and just to this these, these people who I'm in my city or maybe in my town. He said he, he went out to all the villages and the city. He went to, to everyone, just not where he wanted to go. He went to everyone that was around him. You know, today, when you think about how churches are to be planted or how to start a new church, many times they just are just swapping members. From one church to another, oh, you know what, I don't like that band over there. I don't like that music over there. I think I'll, I'll go to this church now, and and uh, the, the the new thing now is have the new thing. You know, you have to have the new lights. You have to have the new band. You have to have the new music, and maybe you can draw some of those people who are over there to come to your church. And a lot of times it's saying, hey, I'm trying to get other people from other churches, but what about the people who don't want to hear what about the people who will never visit your website? They'll never look at you on Facebook. They're never gonna, they don't care about your sign. Who's going to go knock on their door? Hey, when I go to Mexico City and I try to go and plant a church there, they don't throw a fiesta for me. Uh, when I say, hey, I'm a missionary, I've come here to plant a church, they say, we got 20 churches, Catholic churches down the road. Why do we need you? And i got to go after them. i got to go looking for them. And you know, when I went out to that field, I had to go looking for it. I had to go looking for those raspberries. I had to go looking for the ripe ones. I didn't, I didn't know the, the green ones sometimes don't pull off. You have to look for the ripe raspberries. You have to look for the ripe fruit to be able to pick it. And I want you to understand that we have to go to everyone. We have to go even to the green fruit and say, hey, maybe one day that person will be saved. I'll keep on praying for them. Maybe one day when I visited that person, they'll want to know Christ. I don't know, but I'm going to keep on going out to my row and checking it and see if it's ready to be picked. I remember I hear the story of uh, David, David, a Mexican teenage boy there. His pastor, uh, his uh, parents, um, the pastor went by, knocked on his door and his parents got saved. They started going to church, but David didn't want to go to church. He would hide from the pastor. He didn't want to go, but the pastor would look for him because the pastor was working as a taxi driver while he was pastoring the church. So he was driving a taxi around town, and when he would see him, he'd go by, and he'd say, hey, David, how are you doing? Hey, I want to invite you to church. We're having an activity. Come on out. And he would say, nah, I don't want to go. Well, one day, David came to church, church and he got saved. And then later on, David came to our church in in Tisayuca, and he started getting, giving his life to Christ. And then he worked with me to plant the church in Xochimilco. And now David Jimenez Gaspar is the pastor of the God's Word Baptist Church in Mexico City. Hey, he didn't want to go to church. Hey, he, he said, no, leave me alone. But that pastor would go out and check his row. The pastor would go out and check if the fruit was ripe. And one day that fruit was ripe and that fruit came to church and David was saved. And hey, amen, now he's the pastor of the church. And praise the Lord, we need to go to everyone, even when they reject us, even when they don't want to hear us. But when we go to them, look look again here at verse 35. It says, And Jesus went about all the cities and villages, and what did he do? Teaching in their synagogues and preaching the gospel of the kingdom. When we go into this world, we have to preach the gospel. You know, it's not enough just to do good deeds. It's not enough just to help people. I've met a lot of missionaries on the field who maybe just build wells and give food and do good things, and I'm not against that. But we can never replace those things for the gospel, for giving the gospel and the preaching of the word of God. When we go to these places, we have to preach the word of God, just like Jesus did. Many of these people he was was preaching to were Jews. Jews. They've grown up with the Bible. They've grown up with the, 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 the Bible, Genesis and Deuteronomy and all these, all these different books of the Bible all the time. But yet when he went to them, he preached the gospel, the good news. And we need to preach the gospel to them. I remember, if you remember, if you remember with me in 2017, when there was an earthquake in Mexico City and Xochimilco was hit the hardest we had buildings fall down. We had the the one of the Catholic Church near uh, near us was totally destroyed. Right down the street from us, there was a school that uh, about I think 20 kids died in that school when it fell down. And there's a place there in Sochi We're known as the place of the canals or these little little rivers. And there is a a place there where these people live on islands in the canals. And they lost their water and their electricity, and they couldn't. They didn't. They needed help. So the government, a lot of times, America was sending food to Mexico, but the government was taking it and hiding it for their political campaigns. They weren't giving it to the people. So we decided to get clothes and, and food and water, and we'd go over there to those islands, and they would have to come out on these little boats, and we'd get on them, and we'd, we'd go over there, and you can see a lot of this on, we have it on video, and we'd give them food and water. But you know we never fo- forgot to give? We always gave them the gospel. Yes, we can give people help when they need it, and we should. But we also need to give them the gospel. Just like Jesus did, he preached to them. And also look here in verse 35, it says, Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues, and preaching the gospel of the kingdom. And it says, healing every sickness and every disease among the people. You know what he was busy about? Doing good works. Jesus was letting his light shine. And I want to encourage you in this time in this world that we live in, in darkness, where people are confused about so many things in their lives. You're the light of this world. You know the gospel. You know the truth. You should share it with others. Just like Jesus did. And you should be the one that goes and visit, visits those in the hospital, that prays for those who are sick, who pray for those who maybe you're not in agreement with politically, But pray for them. Pray for everyone. Pray for those around you that you might reap your harvest. Hey, I didn't know how to pick a raspberry. I didn't know how to work in the field. Someone had to show me I went over there and I said, okay, what do I do? And I started grabbing raspberries from everywhere and my hands were bleeding. I had raspberry jam. And I didn't even know what I was doing, but someone came by and they said, hey, don't do it that way. Let me give you the example. Do it this way. And I was able to reap a harvest. I was able to reap a reward because I knew how to reap a harvest, bring it in, bring get the fruit. And Jesus is showing us before He he gives this prayer request. He says, hey, hey guys, let me show you what you need to do. You need to go to everyone. You need to preach the gospel and then you need to be busy about doing good works, helping others and showing your light. In 1 John 2.6 it says, He that saith he abideth in him ought himself also to walk even as he walked. If we say that we're Christians, if we say that we know him, then we should walk as he walked. We should follow his example. Follow this example in verse 35, but look at Verse 36. But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion on them because they fainted and were scattered abroad as sheep having no shepherd. You know what this world needs today? It's compassion. What do you see when you look at this world? Hey, what do you see when you see that guy under the bridge in a tent? What do you see when you see that person in the road, talking to himself. What do you see? Do you look at them as sheep that have no shepherd? Eyes of compassion? Or you just say, hey, don't put up a tent next to my house. I don't want to see those people around me. But what we need is compassion. We need compassion for the lost. Because God has compassion for you. Aren't you glad? Aren't you glad when you were lost, dying and going to hell, that the grace of God came upon you to know him, the favor that you didn't deserve, the love that you didn't deserve? No man deserves the blood of the Son of God, but yet he shed it for us. He died for us in our place that we might have access to the throne of God, that we might have salvation, that we might know him through Jesus Christ. And praise the Lord for the grace of God, and so we should have compassion on others. But you know, many times we don't have compassion is because somebody hurt us. When I was in 2021, the pastor there, Pastor David, gave me a call and he said, Hey, uh, brother, hey, pastor, I want to let you know someone broke into your house. said what he said yeah we have video on who you know who did it so I looked at the video this person came down through the roof went through went down and went past all the rooms we have in our house he went right into the pastor's office broke the door stole the offerings and left how many understand that that's somebody who visited our church and how many, I, I know who it was. And you know what I can say? I can say, hey, I'm not going back to Mexico. Somebody hurt me. Somebody stole my stuff. Somebody hurt me. Somebody took something from me. And now I don't want to be compassionate anymore. I don't want to feel for that person anymore. I don't want to talk to that person anymore. But you know what I'll do? I'll try to reach him again. You know, when you pick raspberries, sometimes you get those thorns. They make you bleed. Sometimes when you're picking fruit, it hurts. But I just got to keep on going back to my row. And I got to keep on looking for that fruit. And I got to keep on looking for those who are ready to be saved with eyes of compassion. Not looking at them as a thief or a robber or a sinner. But I have to look at them as sheep that have no shepherd. In Lamentations 3.22, it says, "If it, it is of the Lord's mercies, mercies that we are not consumed because His compassions fail not. They are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. Great is thy faithfulness. Man, praise the Lord that He is faithful to give us compassion and love and grace every day of our lives. And we, how, who are we to say, I can't have compassion on somebody who hurt me? That's all right. Forgive. It's all right to forgive them. You can do it with the power of God. Oh, Now you're a child of God. Now you can forgive those who've hurt you. You can have compassion on those who despise you. We've gone, we should know that if we're going to reach this world, we have to have compassion, just like Jesus. And I notice here that he's talking to people who later on, I don't know, would be the same people who would be yelling, crucify him, crucify him. I don't know. I don't know all the names of these people he was talking to. but I know these people many times would be the one who would go to the Jerusalem there. And these might be the same people, but if you look with me in verse 36, it says, but when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion on them because they fainted and were scattered abroad as sheep having no shepherd. I want to encourage you, if you're to reap your harvest, you have to look at your harvest fields with eyes of compassion. Knowing to do the work, follow the example of doing the work, and then also follow the example of having compassion, and then follow the example of seeing the need. When Jesus looked out upon the field, when he looked out upon these people, he saw a great need. In verse 37, it says, then saith he unto his disciples, The harvest truly is plenteous, but the laborers are few. When you hear the things going on in, this, in, the, in the United States, when you look on the news, I don't know about you, but I many times say, I don't want to go outside. <laughs> I just want to stay home, you know? I don't want to see what's going on. Actually, I just want to turn off the TV. I want to turn off the, the news. I don't want to see this thing anymore. Many times that's, that's what we say. But you know, when you see those lost people, you know what we should see? Right fruit. That's where the harvest is. That, that, hey, that means you have right fruit. If everybody's saved, then I guess we don't have any fruit to pick, right? If everybody's lost, we got a lot of fruit to pick. And there's a lot of lost people around here. Hey, when I go to Mexico City, I look at those people and I look at them having their processions and bowing down to idols and doing all these things. And you know what I see? Right fruit. Berries that are ready to be picked. Berries that are ready to uh, that I'm really ready to reap a reward from. <laughs> and I don't do it just because of that. I do it because I love God and he saved me and I want to be obedient to, obedient to him. But when we look at this field, when we look out on the harvest, when we look out on our fields, what do you see? When you look out on your neighbor, when you look out on your family, when you see that uncle, when you see that maybe a cousin, what do you see? Just a lost, drunk person who's on drugs? Well, hey, why don't you see instead of that ripe right fruit? It's ready to be harvested. These people need Christ. Many times our our feeling can be, we just want to go home. I just want to go to heaven. God, we need you just to come home. We just need you to come here and get us out of here. (laughs) And you know, don't feel bad, because the disciples had the same kind of sentiment. They said, hey, we just want to go home. Look at Acts, Acts 1. And you'll see here, they had this same kind of idea. They were kind of like, hey, um, we want to go home, Acts 1, 6. It says, when they were therefore were come together, they asked of him, saying, Lord, without thou at this time restore again the kingdom to Israel? Hey, you know, the Romans are in charge. We got these Pharisees over here. They're in charge. They're taking advantage of people. So now that we know that you rose from the dead, you have power over the grave. All power has been given to you in heaven and earth. And so now, Lord, bring the judgment. Now it's time. Let's do it. Come on. We know you have all power. We saw those angels. Come on. Verse 7. And he said unto them, It is not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father has put in his own powers, power, but you shall be witnesses but you shall receive, I'm sorry, but you shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you and you shall be witnesses unto me in both Jerusalem and all Judea and all Samaria and unto the utmost part of the earth. Hey, that's not your season. Your season is the harvest, not the judgment. He said, your time is the harvest. Hey, stop asking for Judgment. Stop asking for the rapture. Just get busy in your field. Get busy reaping your harvest. God has given you the harvest time. There'll never be another time. There'll never be a time like this where we're, we're set here to reap the harvest that God has given, that He's given before us to work in His field. We have to be willing to go out. We have to be willing to work in the field and not just saying, I'm ready to go home. No, don't get discouraged. There's plenty of fruit out there, and there's plenty more to do. We just got to be diligent to go again and again to work. I remember uh, this man and, and his wife came to our church, and during a service in our first church plant there in Tisayuca, Hidalgo, he came to church. His name was Javier. And he came to church, and he came forward in one of the services, him and his, his wife and his children. And during that time, his children came forward and they got saved and they received the Lord at the altar there. And so did his wife. And I was talking with Javier and I said, Javier, would you like to be saved? Would you like to know Christ? And he said, yeah, I'd like to do that. I believe in Jesus Christ, he said. But I also believe in the Santa Muerte. That's the holy death or the death Saint." He said, "I believe in this," and he grabbed his chain and he said, "This is the death saint." He said, "I was." He said, and, "And I believe in that too." Can I accept Jesus and and also be saved and believe in this? I said, "No, Javier." I said, "If you want to be saved, you have to reject that. You can't believe in the in the holy death. You can't believe in that and believe in Jesus. You have to believe on Jesus Christ." He said, "Well, no, I'm not going to do that." And he went home. And that next week, I went to go visit Javier. And I talked to him again and I explained to him about how to be saved, how he can know Christ. And I said, it's only through Jesus Christ. And he told me about how he was sick and he prayed to the the saint of death and then how the saint of death helped him after a couple weeks and he got better. And so he said, no, I don't want to get saved. I kept praying for Javier. I kept going back to my row. I kept looking to see if that berry was ripe yet. Then one day Javier came to church and he sat there again in the service mostly because his wife kind of dragged him to church. And a message was preached and Javier came forward. And I said, "Javier, would you like to be saved?" He said, "Yeah." I said, "You can't believe, you can't you can't believe in the Santa muerte and believe on Jesus. You have to believe 100% in Jesus Christ." And he grabbed his chain and he ripped it off. He threw it on the ground. He said, "I believe in Jesus only. Jesus will save me." And that day he received Jesus Christ as a savior. And let me tell you, it's one of the greatest things I've seen. I tell that story all the time. Because it's one of the greatest things I've seen. It's just being diligent, going back and checking your row, go looking out into the harvest field. Jesus said that to his disciples. He said, and then he saith unto his disciples, The harvest truly is plenteous. Look, look, guys, look, look out there. Look at the harvest. There's there's a ripe fruit over there. There's one over there. I think there's one over here. I think there's another one over there. It's plenteous. But where are the laborers? Where are the workers? Where are the ones who will go check their row? Who will go into the fields? And we could say, well, that's for the pastor to do. Well, that's for the missionary to do. Well, that's for the workers in the church to do. I want to tell you something. There's fruit in your row that I can't pick. And there's fruit in my row you can't pick. You can't come with me to Mexico City. You can't go where I'm going. You can't reach the people I'm reaching. And there are family members that will never come to church. They'll never invite the pastor over. But they'll listen to you. How's your feeling? Have you checked your row lately? How's it doing? Oh no, but they, they told me no one time. That's all right. Go back and check again. Go back and see if they're ready. Maybe after COVID, they're ready. After all that's gone on. But we see here that we have to look out into the field to check and see if they're ready. And finally is this, the example of praying for laborers. Look here in verse uh, 38. Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest that he will send forth laborers into his harvest. We have to understand that he, Jesus gave a prayer request here. He said, "Hey, pray ye therefore that the Lord of the harvest that He will send forth laborers into his harvest. What we need today to reach this world are more laborers. We don't need more internet. We don't need more websites. We don't need more uh, big bands, big concerts. We don't what we need are laborers, workers. Just people who will go out and try to reach somebody and give them the gospel and follow the example of Jesus. What did Jesus do? Well, He went everywhere. What did Jesus do? Well, He preached the gospel and He taught the Word of God. What did Jesus do? Well, He was busy about doing good works. That's what He did. And He had compassion and love for them. And then He prayed for the harvest. He prayed for them. You know, when we pray for the laborers, We need to be willing to be one of those laborers because God has called us to labor in His field. In 2 Corinthians 5.18, And all things are of God, who hath reconciled us unto Himself by Jesus Christ, and hath given us the ministry of reconciliation, to wit that God was in Christ, reconciling the world unto Himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them, and hath committed unto us the word of reconciliation." Reconciling somebody who's at odds with God to bring them at peace with God. That is our job. To show them the, con- the, 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 uh, the, the, the gospel. To show them how they can have peace with God by repentance. And to come to God through faith. Not through religion. Not through good works. But by faith in Jesus Christ. In 1 Corinthians 3, 9, it says, For we are laborers together with God. You are God's husbandry. You are God's building. We are to labor together. Again, he calls us laborers. He calls us that we are to reconcile the world. We are to go out and work in in these fields. But you know, when we pray and we ask God to send out laborers, you have to be willing to be those laborers. Because look what happens here. He tells them to pray. Do you think the disciples obeyed? I think they did. I mean, I think they prayed that night. I think they prayed. I don't know. But I think they did. He gave them a prayer request and they prayed. Now look what happens in the next chapter. It says, and when he had called unto him his 12 disciples, he gave them power against unclean spirits to cast, out, to cast them out, And to heal all manner of sickness and all manner of disease. He called them. So he said, hey guys, pray. And then the next day he got up and he said, okay, you're the called. (laughs) It's you guys. You're the ones we're looking for. You're the laborers. And hey, I'm going to give you the same power that I have. says you're going to go out and you're going to heal and you're going to go out and you're going to preach and you're going to go out and you're going to help people. You're going to go out and do the exact same thing that you saw me do in verse 35. I gave you the example. Now, you're going to be the laborers and you're going to go out and do the exact same thing. And so we, as we look at this text, we see the example of how to do the work. And God has given us this power to go out and to proclaim the gospel. And now it's on us to go out and reap the harvest that we've been given. Go out and to work in the row God has placed before us. And we have to go out and work it. And I know sometimes we don't want to be the ones to go out and do it. I've been there many times. I remember when we were planting the church in Xochimilco and And uh, I was trying to uh, praise the Lord when we started the church. We had about 20 people come to church and and it was great. We had a good group of people and we were excited. We were going and then they started kind of not coming to church and different things happened and, you know, the attendance was going down. And so I said, oh, no, we got to put together a a soul winning outreach day and let's go ahead and go out. And I was promoting it for a month and trying to get people going out with me and soul winning. And the day came to go out soul winning, where we're gonna have our launch of our soul winning kickoff. And you know what happened on that day? Nobody came. And you know how a pastor feels when nobody comes? Oh man, the pity party starts. <laughs> I started complaining to the Lord. I started saying, "Lord, I don't want to go out. I don't like this. Nobody came to my activity. I don't want to go out. I don't want to go out until it feels I man." I'm just going to stay home and you know what who's going to even notice there's nobody here nobody's going to know if I go out today or not so I was planning on not going out and the Lord impressed upon my heart says, you need to go out today I said all right you know like this big spiritual missionary I am all right kids get in the car let's go out and hit this street you know Get it? We all get in the car. We're out there. so all right, we're gonna go do this street. We're gonna go knock the doors on this street, and then we'll just co- go back home. And as we started knocking the doors down that street, a boy comes by. And he says, "Hey, are you guys Christians?" I say, "Yeah, we're Christians." You're not Jehovah Witnesses, right? No, we're not Jehovah. You're not Mormons, right? No, we're not Mormons. We're Christians. Okay. Well, my mom wants to talk to you now. This doesn't happen normally, okay? This is not like a, a, a normal thing going on. I don't know if you've ever been out so Soul Winning. We just don't get people who say, come to my house. So he said, okay, let's go to, her, go to this, this kid's house. And so we go over there. He's carrying a, you know, a, a thing, a two liter of Coke. And he's going back there. He knocks on the door. His mom comes out. She's looking at us weird. Like, who are these people? And, and, uh, and the boy says, hey, I got some Christians down here. They want, they want to talk to you. I thought you said she wanted to talk to us. (laughs) I said, yeah, but we want to talk to her, you know, and she says, okay, come on up, and as we go up there, walk up the stairs there, and go into the house, and I notice that everything, something's going on. I don't know exactly what, but I can tell her mascara is kind of running, and uh, the house is kind of in disorder. I'm thinking, okay, what are we, what's going on here, and a man comes out from the back room, and I try to, I try to I introduce myself and I try to witness to him and he doesn't really want to hear. He said, no, I don't want to hear none of this. And he goes back into his room. And so I ask her, I give her the gospel. Her name is Sandra. And I say, Sandra, would you like to be saved? Would you like to know Christ? And she, she gave a testimony about how when she was a kid, there was another Baptist missionary who came by and, and led her to the Lord. And she had been saved, but she, she's not gone to church in many years. And she was praying for somebody to give her a new church and things. And so we started telling her, encouraging her in this moment that we knew something was going on. We didn't know what. And you know what? She came to church that next Sunday. And her two children got saved. And then the next day, I mean the next Sunday, she brought her sister. where her sister had been saved in that same ministry with that missionary. But her hus- her husband's sister got saved. And she brought many people to the church and we started to grow as a church. Well, I found out later she's actually the president of our area. She's like the governor or mayor of our town. And she, allows us, she allowed us to have access to all the different buildings in the area where we could do our special events and and do the, uh, use the, the government buildings to do our special events. We did our the, our kickoff of our church in one of those buildings. We had a Christmas Day uh, uh, event there. And praise the Lord, after that day, I always had people with me to go out soul winning. <laughs> I don't know what happened after that. Well, two years after that, Occasion, she gave a testimony in church. She said, uh, I want to praise the Lord for the day pastor came to my house. She said, I found out that my husband was leaving me and he was cheating on me again. She said, I was waiting for my son to get back because I was going to go to the stove and turn on the gas and I was going to blow us all up together. She said, as I was going to the stove, she said, I heard... The bell. Because I was praying, Lord help me. I don't want to do this. I don't want to do this. And that's when we knocked on the door. Hey, I didn't want to go out that day. I didn't want to go work in my field. I didn't want to go check my row. I didn't want to, I didn't want to go see what was going on. But I just decided to go and work. Just decided to go out, even though with a bad attitude and maybe not the greatest spirit, God would use me to help someone in a time of need, to give me a divine appointment. And what I'm saying, uh, I'm not trying to make you feel bad. I'm not trying to to, uh, somehow try to uh, twist your arm or manipulate you to go out and to win souls. But all I'm saying is don't miss your opportunity. There's a harvest out there waiting to be reaped. And it's for your reward. Hey, I know this farmer. And he'll let anybody work in his field. And he pays well. So I want to encourage you. to Come on out and work in the fields. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you so much for your goodness and your kindness to us. I would ask that you help us to be busy with your work. Lord, help us to do as you did, as you encouraged your disciples.